I'm Ben Forrid. I'm Polly Gill. And I'm Alyssa Mendel. And this is Chordscast. Created by the team at the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, or CORDS for short, which is a rare disease registry working to tie together patients and researchers, no matter their condition and no matter where they are in the world. In these episodes, you'll hear interviews with scientists, physicians, rare disease patients, and advocates, along with updates on our registry and ways that you can get involved. Let's get started. another episode of Cordscast. I'm Polly Gill and today we have Tabitha Frank who is the president and founder of the Endosalpingiosis Foundation. Tabitha, can you kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection with the rare community? I have the disease called Endosalpingiosis and I got a diagnosis of it almost seven years ago and about four years ago I decided that it was wrong that there wasn't anyone do anything. There was no support group. There was no anything. There was no nonprofit. There was nobody was looking at it. No one was doing research. So I created a support group on Facebook and I thought, okay, I'll just get one or two people and we can compare symptoms and diagnosis. And about a year into having a support group, everyone came back some treatment and we kept, you know, realizing that there's people all over the world who have this disease and no one has any more answers than anyone else. So I thought it'd be interesting to create the nonprofits, and which I did. I filed the paperworks in December of 2017 and in January of 2018 and everything became official. This last February, I went to DC to attend the Whale Disease Week that no sponsors, which is was amazing. I got to speak with people I never thought I would speak with. I met with congressmen, I met with senators. I I felt like my voice actually was being heard and it made me want to do more and get more involved. I joined the the rare disease chapter here in Wisconsin, which has been really eye-opening to talk to people who have the same, you have rare diseases and have the same struggles I do. They don't have my disease, but they have the same struggles. You know, the diagnosis is taken forever. On average, it seems to be taking the girls who have this disease five to 10 years. Wow. When I got told, when I got diagnosed, I was told that I could die within five years of having this disease. I, I will live it, obviously. I have tried countless medicines. There is no medicine for this, but I've been, we treated it as endomenosis, which they're very similar. The treatment for endomenosis is, can be, is kind of tricky. And I feel like I have done it all. And I didn't know I had endomenosis up until about a year and a half ago. The only way to get diagnosed with this disease is to have surgery and have pathology reports. So, I was having surgery after my son was born because I was having problems. He was born perfect. 
he a natural delivery, no complications. But I started having complications, mm-hmm. and I started bleeding, and I started, and we kept figuring out what's going on in me. And then when the doctor said, okay, well, you know, let's make sure that there's nothing wrong. And we went in, and the next thing we know, you know, he said, okay, well, I found some, he called them little red dots. And we know, you know, he's like, okay, well, let's wait till pathology comes back. He's like, I moved a lot of them, and hopefully we'll get some answers. He kept thinking it was going to be an amenosis. Okay. You know, it started, the world started to get, wow, people are knowing about this, you know. They've done great campaigns on it. So we waited a month, and then he came back. I went to his office for a follow visit, and he took, handed me a piece of paper. They said, okay, well, you're going to end up I don't know much about it. So he looked it up online. He said he talked to some colleagues. They couldn't mm-hmm. give me any more answers than mm-hmm. he did. And he told me to go see a fertility specialist. What We are tying my tubes. Like, we are... I, I, I was tying my tubes the next month. Why are we, you know, why do you want me to go see a doctor, you know, who's going to, I don't want any more kids. I was told when I was about 22 years old, 21, 22, that I couldn't have any more kids. I had a lot of female problems. And so I accepted I wasn't having kids. When my son was born, I was, it was a miracle. I miscarried. I did miscarriages before him. We gave up. We tried. We are, we almost, you know, we were about to try, you know, to, you know, try the in a photo route, do IEFs, do all that, but with the, the expensive that stuff is, we didn't because we said, you know what, if it doesn't come naturally, we don't want it. And that can be very expensive, those kind of treatments. Yes. Yeah. And not just the treatment, but physically, mentally. I mean, I had a couple of miscarriages before I met my husband, and we went, me and him went through six of them together. And, you know, I kept saying, okay, well, if it's not meant to be, and, you know, we came close. I mean, we had one that lasted almost four months. And I thought, oh, this is it. This is the one. You know, mm-hmm. we told family, we told everybody. And then one the day, and then I miscarried, and then the next day, everybody in family had sent us stuff. And it was, it was just like, I'm done. And we stopped trying for about a year and a half. And then, and then four weeks later, I, I kept getting, I was so nauseous. And I'm like, okay, well, I must be getting the flu or something. And I went to the hospital just to take a precaution. And I made them one to test twice because I didn't believe them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I cannot imagine the emotional strain that you have been through. And I, I bet that was just so tough for you. I just actually thought I was losing my mind at some point. I had this, I had this one kind of guy who just, he actually thought, you know, I was, like, cracking up. He actually come before me to go see psychologists. And I was like, how is she going to help me? So um, what are the actual symptoms of this condition? Fatigue, irregular periods, um, back pain is common. Um, I've had chronic back pain, you know, mine for years, so I guess you don't think about it. Um, there isn't really no symptoms i mean we're not really positive what some of the symptoms are because there is so little done on it there's so little research so i mean those are the most common when they you know they say it's but you know pretty much any all the symptoms venomosis we have all the symptoms the di- the main difference between the two our disease is the tissue from the floating tube 
it's a basically attacking your body is the way I, I look at it. Instead of just stay, stay, staying, staying in one area, it, it, it moves around. I mean, I read a case about the tissue got up in this lady's heart and it caused a heart attack and she died. And when they did her autopsy, they found all the all, all the tissue was around her heart sack. And I couldn't mm-hmm. believe that it traveled that high. So endosalpingiosis doesn't just attack your fallopian tubes. It could spread into other organs is what you're saying. Yeah. No and I, it blew my mind, too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the most common from my research and that I found from my research that the endosal, we, that's what we call it, we call it endosal because the name is too long. And, um, we, it's on your bowels. Um, just like endomidosis, it can be on, you know, and because it, it attacks, you know, your bowels are already so sticky and stuff. So, you know, atta- you know, and it's. The only way to treat it is through surgery, and there's no guarantee it. Even having a hysterectomy is not a cure, and it's not. And most doctors don't recommend having a hysterectomy because you, you can't guarantee the pain's gonna go away. And even if you have a hysterectomy, the tissue's still in your body. You can't fully remove it all. There's so much of it, and it's so small that it doesn't open out to It doesn't open an MRI. It, I mean. You know, you, you most diseases and stuff, you can see it on scans. You can't see this on scans. Even if it's all cluttered together, you still can't see it. And it's just... So for doctors to find out that you have this diagnosis, do they actually have to operate and do it? You yeah. said do a biopsy is the only way they can, they can find it? Yeah. yeah. Which is so sad. One of the things I want to do with the foundation is I want to start research and I want to, and I would love to have female resources because I feel like they would understand a lot more than males. Reproductive issues is so, oh, it's so taboo. Let's not talk about it. You know, oh, well, you know, the pain's not that bad. It's not that real. Okay, well, you know, you have a period that lasted for 14 days and you see how real the pain is. For some of us, the bleeding never stops. We bleed all months long. Now, I'm lucky. I'm on above control who stops that. I have an IED in, so I don't get periods, but I still get the pain. I still get the bloating, the cramping, the headaches. And it's, you know, like some months, you know, you just wish you could crawl in a hole and never leave. So, like I said, I mean, it's hard for me to tell you all what's common symptoms because, you know, what's common for me is not common for that other girl who's having this. The more I read about it and the more I talk to people who have this, the more I'm realizing there isn't a common symptom. Mm-hmm. So when you went to the doctor, did they just say, oh, it's probably um, endometriosis, PCOS? They didn't really um, um, understand that it was something more? No. And, you know, looking back at my history, and I will, I think that I probably have had this disease my whole entire adult life. I'm 35, okay? So I've been diagnosed with this since I was 28. And I feel like I got this in my early 20s because looking back at the symptoms and some of the issues I had, I feel like they overlooked it because they weren't looking that hard because they didn't care. It's hard to find a doctor to actually take the time to want to look. Now, my doctor was actually looking for an answer to the cause and the pain. So he was physically in there trying to figure out what could be causing all this pain, you know, so, yeah, I think that's the only reason he found it. Now, if he was just in there just going, okay, well, we're in here to do this, so we'll just, you know, oh, we see it, we're going to pathology. 
I've talked to a couple of pathologists, and they've told me that they see this listed at least once a day. Some of them said they see it multiple times a day. So it's up on pathology reports, but nobody knows it is, so the doctors dismiss it. I've heard ghosts tell me in a support group that they've looked back to some of the pathologists and reports and said, uh, you know what, this showed up, you know, back when I had endo, but no one told me about it, so they dismissed it or... They will read the reports and go in and ask, ask the doctor, hey, what's this? Oh, no, it's it, it's, it's nothing, you know, it, it, it's just a medical term. And then they'll Google it and then they'll be like, what do you mean? You know, no, it's a disease. Right, kind of brushing it off, it sounds like. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they don't know what it is. They, right. don't, they don't know how to treat it. They don't know what it is. They don't know. T- and I have over 230 members in my support group, and it is all over the world. A lot of them are not here in the States. A lot of them, Australia, has a high number, in my opinion. And they got better health care in Australia, in the United Kingdom. And it just blows my mind how, you know, they have so much better health care systems than us. And they're not getting treated, you know, they don't know how to deal with this either. Then I read an article not that long ago. The Netherlands did a study. They had over 2,000 women that they found have this disease. Now, when I tried to submit, um, I, I submitted that article and, and not realizing so much what about it to um, to God, which is the genetic, a genetic website who um, you know helps with real diseases and stuff. And they said, your disease is not real. Your numbers, it said it was like one in 20. And another said one in 20 women have this disease. That's just the Netherlands. Now, if they, if they have those numbers, can you imagine what the rest of the country would have? We don't have a statistic. I don't have a number. We don't have it like, oh, well, one in a million, oh, well, one in 5,000. We don't have it. Well, maybe you can because kind of be the foundation for that to get it out and to get people that's to... Why I st- that's yep. why I wanted to um, do this data. I wanted to right. start collecting, we, you know, get numbers. Right. Absolutely. And is, is this condition hereditary? Could um... We don't know. It's genetic. Some articles say it's not. Some articles say it's, it's benign. Some say it is. Now, I thought I'm working with this company called New Love Ventures. And they'll help me. Um, they, they, just, they put out a clothing line. And the clothing line says, on the search, it says not benign. Now, and then on the back, it has a picture of a really beautiful um, pink picture of a uterus with flowers and stuff. And the whole one of the reasons why we said not behind is because we want to show that this disease is not behind. This disease will not take over your lives. You know, we, we want to stand up and say, "Look, yes, I have a disease, but my life is not does not live around this. I can still be a mom. I can still be a wife. I can still, you know, a businesswoman. I can still go to school. I can still do everything I want to do." And, you know, we don't want it to take over our lives. We want to stand up. and Absolutely. And that's so inspiring for other people hearing this out there, too. Now, there are some. You can buy a sweatshirt that has my company's logo on it. All it is is three circles with, with yellow and green. The reason I picked yellow and green is because yellow is the enemy noses ribbon color, which means it's, gonna be, it's my ribbon color. And green is my favorite color. And I want to put some of me into this because I oh, feel that's like... Nice. I feel like I, 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 I'm putting so much of my heart and soul already into this that I wanted something me. And I think the yellow and green like so good together. And my son, who's I'm a seven, 
pointed out to me that we live in Wisconsin. The, the, those are the Packer colors. Green Bay. So we, we need to represent. <laughs> what are, are you the, from Wisconsin? What are the chances, right? That's awesome. Yeah, that is really cool. And you didn't even mean to do that at first, right? No, no idea. That is that is great. Meant, meant and you to be. know what? And, and I did two different colors of green, which I think is so cool. Yes, yes. Um, so previously I heard you talking about, you know, um, how it can be painful and things like that. So people listening, how what can they do to relieve these symptoms if they have them? What- well, I recommend that come check out the website, which is www.endersalfoundation.org. There's some articles on there. Um, I've been working with NAMI, so if you feel alone or scared, if you any kind of suicidal thoughts, or any feel like you need mental health, there is a checklist on the website. Um, that shows you, you know, I, 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 feel, I encourage you to reach out to them or reach out to me. I love talking to people. I love hearing stories. I, it's so inspiring to me to hear the woman telling me about, hey, I got diagnosis. I got a couple of teenagers who, um, well, the moms are on the, are on, on the support group because I don't, they're, they're too young and the mom, and I agree, you know, they don't need to hear some of the horror stories. My youngest member, um, well, her mom is she's ten years old. Oh wow! She got diagnosed with this. Never in my wildest dreams would I ever thought that a ten year old would get diagnosed mm-hmm. with this disease. And the scary part is that her mom has a disease too. So her mom saw seen it, and so that's and it's, it started making me think that this could be genetic. What are the odds of a mother and daughter both having a disease? You know, and you know, and she started realizing some of the symptoms in her daughter, and then they went in and. I forgot the details, but she had surgery and and then found out that she had this. It breaks my heart that she's never going to be able to have kids because I think they had to do a hysterectomy on her or partial hysterectomy. You know, but, you know, she she knows that better now. So I feel like she could live, she could live longer than most of us. And maybe she would live long enough to start the research. And one, one of the things I want to do with, you know, try to get you know, funding is I, I want to start a scholarship program and I want to specifically to have it be for women who want to not just do research in this field, but who want to stand up and say, hey, look, we have a voice. I, I've been working with different, you know, policymakers trying, you know, I joined um, the Community Congress which is a group for the, in the rare disease community. And we, and one of the things I want to do is I work on policies to make policies for this, for the rare diseases so that we can have, you know, if you don't have access to medical, you don't have access to insurance, you don't have access to treatment, that we, you know, we can have some kind of thing out there so you can get it. I also want to get this, this disease listed on a disability. Now, I've been told that this, that could take anywhere between 5 and 20 years. But I still want to start somewhere. And a lot of people have this. I mean, I got lucky. I got on disability. And I fought tooth and nail. And I spent three years of my life fighting the peers. And I finally went to the, the courts. And I got a lawyer. And the judge actually ruled that, you know, we are going to give you disability because of disease. And I bought 100 articles. I bought everything I could do. And at the time... I, I had no idea about stuff. I didn't have the support group on Facebook. I didn't have anything. I had barely been diagnosed. I'd been diagnosed with disease for a little over a year. I was like, you know, I'm just, 
I'm ta- I couldn't keep a job. And there's so many girls tell me this. I, we can't hold on jobs. We can't do anything. We need help. I want to start a assistance program. And it's listed on the website. But basically what it is is I want to do is st- start at the state levels. I start here in Wisconsin, and then I'll go national. I want to be able to give the girls um, help with that. It could go for medical expenses. It can go to help pay rent. We can help them get transportation to and from to the hospitals, the medical clinics, help them with prescription, help them to get onto our assistance so they can find out about, okay, instead of having, okay, well, I need to join for food sale and I need to get on for disability. Mm-hmm. I can have all the resources that are my disposable and I can say, okay, you want to join this, then da, 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 and I can help you do it all. Instead of having to go, okay, well, you need to go tell you this person, this person, because it gets too overwhelming and they get scared and they don't want to, and they feel like if they reach out, then people are going to think negative of them and, mm-hmm. then, you know, oh, well, you want assistance. No. And I think that's really great that you point out that, you know, it's okay to get help and it's okay to reach out. And I like especially how you mentioned NAMI as well, because um, I know that I know people who have had miscarriages and it is, it is totally hard and emotionally draining for people. Yeah, like I said, I really feel mental health is a big thing. It is. And I want, yes, I want to help the women, but I also want to help the families, which is why, you know, you know, this doesn't just affect us. It affects our families. It affects our husbands, or our, our girlfriends, or our wives. I mean, I, I got quite a few, you know, gay couples, you know, uh, you know, girls who are gay. And you know what? I think it's great. They want to start a family, and but they can't because of this disease. And you know what? I mean, come on. If everything we've seen happen this year, <laughs> I feel like we need to come together, especially Absolutely. as women. We need to come together. We need to stand up and say we are here. We are in pain, and we want answers. Yes. So on um, kind of piggybacking on that, um, what advice do you give parents or patients who have children who have this condition? What what kind of advice do you give them? If they're kids, especially if they're under the age of 20, I'd say don't do a hysterectomy right away. Do some research. Talk to some doctors. Get second opinion. Get a third opinion. How acts around. There is not one doctor, and I've only found a handful of doctors who know about this disease who are willing to even do treat this. Now, don't just take your doctor's word at it. Ask around. Join a support group. Like I said, I have no problem having the moms join. You know, if you say, when you join, you say, hey, my daughter has this. She's such and such age. I don't feel comfortable having to join. You know what? Great. You can join. You can ask her questions. You can share her story. And... You know, when she gets old enough, if she wants to join, we would. you can stay. I would love to have both of you in. We want to hear from all of you. And don't, don't be afraid. Ask questions. Email me. Text me. Call me. My number, my, you know, my contact number is listed on the, the website. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. You've got it all. I'm on links, which I still don't really understand the whole thing of that, but I'm starting to get there. I'm trying to join. I'm trying to make sure everyone can find me. Good. Twitter, okay. yeah. you know, I sharing stories and talking, mm-hmm. and sometimes I forget about it for the business, and I'll, and I'll post pictures of my son. You know, sometimes you just, you, you need to step out of the business and actually put some, you know, real life spin on it. A couple months ago, I... I finally got the Endometriosis Foundation of America finally reached out to me. I actually finally contacted me back after months and months of me. And we, um, I wrote an article 
Now, most of it is mine, and the girl who helped, you know, she did a little editing, but 90% of it's my words and my story. And they shared it on their website. And I have got over 20 new people have joined because of the article. And the the Animinosis Foundation, they put out an article not that long ago about how these diseases are linked. And it blew my mind that I've been trying to get this to happen for five years mm-hmm. to get them to acknowledge that these diseases, and they finally did. I also have this thing, I call, I call it a basket of hopes. And what I do is, I'm, it's not really a basket, but I think basket is sound better than a box of hope. That is so- <laughs> Originally, when I came up with the idea of basket of hope, I thought I could actually go and deliver to the girls. So what it is, is I, I put together a box but it's, it's, um, it's stuff to, after you have surgery, if, you know, or if you're having a really hard time, it's to uplift your spirits. Now, I, I'll, I, I, I listed items, you know, on the website and on Facebook, you know, of stuff, you know, like I would like. But I don't use the same items every time. Now, I started doing themes. Like, I had a couple girls who said they just had surgery. And it was on Halloween, so I did a kind of like, I added some like Halloween stuff. And I'm making one up by now who, girl, she just had surgery two weeks ago. So I'm doing kind of like more holiday one. And, you know, I'll, I'll include in things like blankets. Um, we, we, you know, if, we, if I have the fun in, I'll, I'll do heating pads, journals, books, pens. Um, I, I got like a holiday cups, you know, of the straws, you know, stuff to help you while you are covering to let you know that you're not alone. Someone cares about you. I just I just love how supportive you are with everybody in your community and you just want people to feel like they're not alone and you do everything you can to comfort them and I think that's so great. So scared and so alone mm-hmm. when I found out that I walked out of the doctor's office and I was I sat in my car crying and bawling my eyes out and I called my husband and told him and he's all like, Well what are you gonna do what are we gonna do? And I'm like I'm gonna die, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all I could, no, everything he said, the only thing that I took from it is, I'm gonna die. I'm, I am I have a brand new baby at home and I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna live to see him enter kindergarten, not gonna see him go to high school, have kids, go to college, anything. All my hopes and dreams that I had for this little baby that I just had was gone. Mm-hmm. I felt like my whole world shattered. Yeah, and since you've been through this, I feel like now you can kind of coach and um, uh, share other share your experience with other people too, and help them feel comfort in yeah, it. Yeah, like I said, that's why. I mean, I did an article with you know them um, last Thanksgiving. The Danger Gazette did a feature on me that actually made the front page, which terrified me. <laughs> it was really my first exposure to you know about this, and I think we didn't get a whole lot of attention from it. It actually came out day before Thanksgiving, so it was kind of scary. There wasn't a whole lot of attention to it, but I've had people have searched for it now and have, you know, oh, I taken the disease and I read your article and, you know, etc. I mean, on the website, I've listed different articles that I found that I think are helpful. I mean, my article is listed on there. You know, that my, my newspaper article, the article, my, I call it my, my way of story or my way of journey, I think. Cool. No, I say my way of journey. That I, you know, that I recently did, you know. Um, I have my bios on now. I'm trying to join WAMP, which is called, it stands for Will Advocacy Movement. And working, you know, I haven't got accepted yet, but talking to some of them, and I've, I've met a couple of the girls there, and mm-hmm. they've been so helpful, and they have, they've gave me 
so much insight and that there's a whole new world out there. Mm-hmm. And I've just talked to people that I, you know, I've got more Zoom meetings than ever. I didn't even know what a Zoom meeting was before this year. And um, another question I was actually going to ask you too is how, how can the CORDS registry help people with your diagnosis? Why, why is it important for people to come to CORDS? We need the data. We need the numbers. We need to know how many of you are out there who have this disease so that when we do start finally getting research done, we can say, hey, look, there's a thousand of us, or hey, there's a million of us. And hopefully we can use that data so we can get our number, so we can say we are one and blah, 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 and we can start getting further funding. There's so much money out there for women's way for deficit, you know, that I want to grab it. I want to use this money to help you. I want to start clinical trials. I want to. I want to start get answers it's just genetic you know how long is this gonna last maybe to find trends in what in people and can it help advance research in the future yeah i mean am i gonna pass this on to my my daughter my son am i gonna am i gonna is it gonna skip a generation and go to my grandchildren Mm -hmm. i mean i have more questions than answers floating on in my head Mm -hmm. Well, it starts with you, and this is how, you know, this is how rare conditions, they find more answers to this, is starting with you, people like you and their advocacy groups, collecting that data, and hopefully um, providing some useful information to people in the future with this. Yeah, I also feel like if we actually get some of the data, then, you know, maybe we can get some of these pharmaceutical companies to come up with a drug that can help us, because we can say, hey, look. There is a thousand million of us out there. You know, okay, maybe that's not so many, but <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I feel like we have a couple million of them of us floating around who don't even know we have this disease mm-hmm. because no one's talking about it. No one's doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I want to end that. I want I want to go to DC, stand on the Capitol steps, and ha- and I want to create uh, NSIPCOSIS Awareness Day. That's and great. I want it to be a moss because that is. That is the month that endometriosis have. And I feel like we should do a, a lot of what they do, we need to be doing. And I want to stand there and I want to have, and I have, I've already made up signs that have the, the, the name on it. And I want to stand there and I want all these girls to stay behind me and I want to march around DC and say, look, we're here. Well, your vision is is amazing, and what you what you want to do for everybody and for the community is just it's awesome what you're doing. Well, we're kind of wrapping up now. Um, can you just tell us what your website is again, in case anybody wants to contact you or reach you? And I'll put it in the link below for anybody who wants to visit um, Tabitha's website. Um, but yeah, if you just want to tell us how to connect with you, endosalfoundation.org, which is www.endosal f o u n d a t i o n dot o o g. You know, like I said, the logo is simple. It's just it's got three circles. You know, it's yellow and green. You know, so you know if you see the logo, you know, I can point you in directions of articles. There's so many articles out there that I encourage you not to read because they are scary and they are <laughs> meant to scare you. So. Be careful what you read because not everything you read is true. But I feel like I know more now than I did five years ago. And you're such a great support system for everybody. So, well, (laughs) well, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Cordscast, and we really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk with us. Well, thank you for having me.
Thanks so much for listening. The theme music for Chordscast is borrowed with permission from Scott Holmes's song, So Happy. To learn more about Sanford Research and our registry, Chords, visit us at sanfordresearch.org slash chords. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions, comments, stories, or feedback to chords at sanfordhealth.org. Find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sanford Chords. The content of Chordscast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. We'll see you next time on Chordscast.